The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. You know, several years ago, Matt Redman wrote a book called, uh, wrote a song called The Heart of Worship. And, and what that song really dealt with is he began really feeling in his heart that sometimes we can make it so much about the music. We can make it so much about how we feel in the moment. And man, music is emotional. Have you noticed that? That man just, and, and I love music. There's nothing wrong with that emotional feeling. But in reality, worship really comes down to a one-on-one worshiping of our king and worshiping of our father. And when we begin to really understand that, it means that we don't have to have music playing in the background, though I love music playing in the background when I worship. I love singing songs of declaration, but we don't need that to worship our God. And the more that we begin to grow in that and understand that, it means that whether we feel like it or not, we're not here today because we have been made worthy by our own behavior. We've been made worthy by the behavior of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can come today, the Bible says, into the throne room of God with boldness. Even if you blew it this week, you can come into the throne room of God with boldness because of who you are hidden in Christ Jesus today. That's how much God loves us. God really is an amazing God. So we've been in this series called A Father's Love, and we're kind of beginning to wind it down. And one of the things that we've been looking at is this parable in Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to flip over to Luke chapter 15. And it's a story about this love, the love this father has had for two of his sons. Now, what we have had a tendency to make this story about is about the prodigal son, but it's really about the prodigal father. Because the the word prodigal means excessive and lavish. And, And the point of Jesus' story is not the excessive and lavish spending of the younger son. It's what we've looked at all the time and think, okay, we just have to be careful not to be the younger son. Don't be the younger son. Don't be the younger son. Don't be the younger son. And what we end up becoming is the younger son. Rather than really focusing on the prodigal father, the excessive, lavish, and extravagant love of the father. So it's about this excessive, lavish, and extravagant love that this father has for both of his sons. Because again, growing up for me, when I heard the story, I thought it was just about the love the father had for the wayward son, the younger son. But it's about the extravagant, lavish, extraordinary love that this father had for both of his sons. Because it's important that we see that it was for both of his sons. Because from time to time, each one of us can find ourselves identifying with both of the sons. Sometimes we're the younger son. In fact, I would probably say that most of the time we can identify with the younger son. We find ourselves thinking that we know better than God. We're reading the word, but we're really thinking, okay, God, you you really don't, I don't know if you really mean that. And we, we find ourselves thinking again that we know better than God and that we think all the answers to a life filled with peace, joy, and happiness is found somewhere out there away from the Father. That what the Father is doing is the Father's crowding us. Man, He's cramping our style. And so we take the good things that God has given us and we move away from the will and the protection of the Father. And then we're shocked. Shocked, I tell you. (laughs) All of you old movie buffs catch that. We're shocked when we discover that the promises of the far-off country, they're really not what we've been told. They're, They're really not what we have believed. And we find that the wages of sin is death. 
That moving away from the Father will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. But honestly, I do think it's easier for us to recognize when we're acting like the younger son, when we're acting wrong, when we're doing wrong. Because see, if you're really searching for the Father, even when you've blown it, even when you're blinded sometimes by wrong behavior at first, eventually... The Bible says that we will come to ourselves like this young son did and we'll recognize that this isn't God's best for us. We've all had those opportunities or or those times in our life when that's happened. We've we've thought, God, you don't really know. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go to the far off country. And then we come to ourselves and we think, man, what on earth am I doing in the pig pen? What I think is more challenging for us is understanding when we're acting like the older son. We're doing all the right things. We're acting right. We're doing things, but we're doing it for the wrong motives. We're we're trying to earn something that God has already given to us. For see, for whatever reason, it's easy for us when we come to Christ, when we begin to understand what Christ has done for us, to receive by faith the grace that he has given to us. We just think, wow, there's no way that I could ever be good enough to earn eternal life. There's no way that I could be good enough to earn what God has provided for. It's easy sometimes at that, but what becomes more of a challenge is to continue to receive grace by faith. Because we think it's something that we have to earn. So we spend our time struggling to receive what our Heavenly Father has already freely given to us. See, both sons were wanting to earn what the father had lavishly and extravagantly already given to each one of them. What they both needed to learn to do was to just receive the love of the father. Just receive it. Now, sounds simple, doesn't it? But the challenge is in the moment when we get inward focused and we're focused again on our behavior, what we did or did not do to just receive the love of the Father. They should have just received the love of the Father and received everything that the Father had already provided for them. So today I want to look at what the Father gave the younger son because there's some gifts that the the Father gave the younger son when he came back to him that are important for us understanding the reestablishment of that son, but also in our lives. So let's look at this in Luke 15, 22 of the Father's extravagant love and what he did for his wayward son. And by the way, don't forget that the younger son was, was going back home to ask his father to be a servant. He felt like he was no longer worthy to be a son. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And he's starting to go through this rehearsed speech. But the father doesn't even let him finish the rehearsed speech. Just so you know, your heavenly father will never let you earn something that he's already freely given to you. So before he could finish, the father begins to bestow these gifts on him. And we see these in verse 22. And it says this. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Now the first thing that I want you to notice is that the father had servants. He didn't need the son to come home and be a servant. He already had servants. Okay, just so you know, as sons, and I'm saying that, Male and female sons, meaning the ownership that comes in being a follower of Jesus Christ, the the rights and privileges it means. So sons and daughters of the Most High God, we serve. But we don't serve as servants. We serve as sons. And the difference is, is this is a family business. Okay? Listen, I don't know if you own your own business, but if you own your own business, 
you are giving it all for that business. You take phone calls late at night. You deal with customer service in a very positive way when sometimes you have people working for you that really don't give a rip because it's all about the 9 or $10 an hour that they're making. So sons serve, but we don't serve as servants. We serve as family members. We are a part of establishing the kingdom of God here on the face of the earth. We get the opportunity to spread the love and hope of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to see the love and hope that you and I possess. I know sometimes we feel a little bit hopeless, but I promise now that you're in Christ, all of that fruit or the root is inside of you waiting for fruit to come out if you'll just believe and receive the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. So he had servants. He's a rich man. All right? I I want you to notice that because your heavenly father is very rich. There's absolutely no lack with God. And and your heavenly father has servants. They're called angels. In fact, the Bible says, are not angels sent as ministering spirits to those that will inherit salvation? Listen, we get to walk in the natural realm just like everyone else. We get to use our minds just like everyone else. We get to understand things just like everyone else. But on top of that, we get the supernatural impartation of the Holy Spirit in our lives to show up and God do supernatural and extraordinary things in our life. Simply because they're servants, ministering spirits that are sent to you and I as we inherit salvation. Again, let me say it again. There's absolutely no Lack with God. The next thing that I want you to see is that he tells his servants to bring out the best robe. Not just a robe, the best robe. You see, in that culture, they would have a best robe. And it was a a robe that was reserved for someone that they wanted to honor. When someone came into their house that they wanted to honor, they would get out this best robe and they would place it upon them. Sometimes it was a visiting dignitary they had a guest over for dinner, the father would put it on them as they dined as a guest in their home. But notice that the father told his servants, bring out the best robe on this stinky, pig-smelling kid of mine that's just come home. Put it on him. See, the father wanted everyone to know, including his son, how much he loved his son. And how honored he was to have his son back with him. Do you remember the story of of Joseph and the the coat that he had of many colors that was given to him by his father Jacob? Have you ever wondered why Joseph was so special? Why Jacob had made a decision to give this coat to the 11th son instead of the first son? Because remember in biblical times, the first son always got the first and best. It was a great way back then. I loved that back then. I wish we'd go back to that again. I believe that Jacob loved all of his sons. I I really do. But God in his sovereignty knew what Joseph was going to face in his life. So God put it in Jacob's heart to honor Joseph and give him the best robe so that he would understand at a very young age how special and how honored he was. So that when he went out into the fight of life, even when his life, when life tried to press him down, he was the comeback kid. It's like when you get in a swimming pool and you've got a rubber ball because of its buoyancy. You know, you try to push it under the water. It keeps popping back up. When you understand how loved you are by God, there's a buoyancy that is created inside of you. Life may push you down. Circumstances may push you down. Your boss may push you down. A family member may push you down. But man, you keep bouncing back up going, Woohoo! I'm back. 
So even when Joseph was sold into slavery, falsely accused and thrown into prison, he kept trusting in his God because he had worn the best robe. He already knew what it was like to walk in what he, where he was going. He already understood who he was, no matter what the circumstances said. And because of that, he was still established that the Father loved him dearly. And that, I believe, is the thing that caused him to succeed in life. At an early age, he had this revelation and understanding of how loved he was. See, God is concerned that you succeed in every area of your life. You are concerned about succeeding in one area of your life, financially. Come on. See, but God wants you to have success financially. But he also wants you to have success in your marriage. He wants your marriage to be a shining example to everyone that you come in contact with. He wants you to have success in your health. That's why the, his word says, by his stripes you are healed today. God wants you to have success in relationships. People that you come in contact with, that for whatever reason, they don't even understand it, but they're attracted to you. They want to hang out with you because the love of Jesus Christ is in your heart. God wants you to be successful emotionally. He doesn't want you fighting off depression all the time. Now, we have to fight it off occasionally, tries to attach itself to you. God wants you to be a success emotionally, mentally. That you can continue mentally to grow even after high school. Amen? That you can be the smartest person at work. God can download supernatural things into your life. God wants you to be a success in every area and arena of your life. Because you're his child. And he loves you dearly today. That's why God has clothed you and I with the best robe. He's clothed you and I with the robe of righteousness. Look at it here in Isaiah 61. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. God has clothed you with the best robe today. He's clothed you with the robe of righteousness. He's put you in right standing with him because of his grace and unmerited favor, not because of your performance. So don't forget, that the father ran out to the son. So how was the son brought back into the village? Wearing the best robe. That's how he was brought back. So the villagers probably didn't even know what was really going on. Suddenly they're walking back going, wow, he must have done really well in the far off country. See, that's the reason why we're able to rejoice in the Lord is because we've been clothed in the best robe. See, we don't rejoice just because we see tangible evidence of God's blessing. Now, I'm thankful for tangible evidence, and God wants there to be tangible evidence of blessing in your life, but we rejoice and hope in the Lord because we're clothed with the robe of righteousness. See, if you're not, you'll struggle when you go through difficult times. You'll be going, God, do, do you still love me? You'll, you'll struggle when you don't understand what's going on. Again, the reason why we have hope, that confident expectation of good, is because we're clothed with the best robe. Child of God, you've got to understand today that God has put the best robe on you today. So was it just a robe? No, let's read on. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand. Now, what is a, a, a ring a symbol of? Well, in marriage today, we recognize the goal or the... the, the um, 
metal represents the purity of the love that we're working towards having with one another. The unending circle represents the unending vow that we're taking with our spouse. Some people wear rings to identify with a college or fraternity that they belong to. But when this story was told, a ring for wealthy people, remember this is a wealthy family, was like a visa card. It, it was, it, it belonged to the rich and it was used to make purchases. Do, do you remember the story of Ben-Hur? Yeah, I mean the movie Ben-Hur? You remember how Ben-Hur saved the rich Roman general's life and that the Roman general gave him a ring? After he had come back, his enemy was wondering why, why he was taking the liberties that he was taking. And he took a clay tablet and he punched that tablet so that the insignia of the ring was displayed on it. And he said, this is the logo, a Roman seal by which I'm authorized to do these things. So in those days, whenever they shopped, they didn't have to have carry coin with them. They, would, they were able to take the ring and impress it upon a tablet in order to pay for whatever it is they needed. So when the father said, put the ring on his hand, it's not just something decorative. When my wife asked me to put a ring on her hand, it's something decorative, right? But th this isn't something decorative. What the father was saying is, I'm giving him authority. Remember, the son has just gotten back. He hasn't proved himself, has he? I mean, if, if the father's just going on the son's performance, is he going to give him a ring of his authority? No, he gives him a ring, and he says, I'm giving him my authority. And don't forget, the father is giving the authority to the son that had rejected him. I'm telling you, if we can wrap our minds around this, we can begin to understand just how good our heavenly father is, how much our heavenly father loves every one of us. Our father's love for us is greater than our rejection. It's greater than our bitterness. It's greater than our rebellion. So why would we live like servants when we can live like sons? When we can live like daughters? When we can live like children of the Most High God? Is there anything else that he's giving to him? Father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. The son had lost it all. He's coming back barefoot. His feet are probably, again, stinky and dirty. And the father says, put sandals on his feet. Now, there are two words, two Greek words for sandals. One is sandalon, where we get our word sandals. And it's, that's the word that, that's a cheap shoe that most of the poor people wore during Jesus' day. But there's a second type called hupodemeo. And the shoe, this shoe is made of leather. It's a nice shoe. It's a Gucci shoe. Can you help me out with any other names? It's a nice shoe. Now, which shoe do you think the father was putting on his son? This second one, the luxurious leather one. This is what our heavenly father does. This is how good our heavenly father is. Listen, I know when, when we get religious, it's very easy for us to think, Richie, be careful. What you're doing is you're giving people a license to sin. Listen, if you think, think that, that the, the love of the Father is about you being able to do whatever you want to do, listen, you can go off into the far off country and come back and God is still going to love you. But I promise you again, sin is going to take you further than you want to go. It's going to keep you longer than you want to stay and it's going to cost you more than you want to pay. But when you begin to really, 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 really understand the love of the Father, suddenly you want to embrace him. You want to find out all you can about the love of the Father. I personally, again, believe this is one of the most significant and important truths that we can 
ever understand because everything grows out of the revelation of how perfectly God loves you and I. When you know God loves you, you become secure in who God is. You become secure in who you are in Christ Jesus. And you become secure in how important the word of God is to your life. This is how good God is. He doesn't give us what our sin deserves. He gives us grace. You see, the law demands righteousness from men, but grace gives righteousness as a gift. It's the best robe. Man, See yourself wrapping yourself up in the robe of righteousness. The law says unless you keep all the commandments, God won't bless you. Under grace, Jesus kept all the law and gives you blessings as a gift. Under the law, God told Moses, remove your shoes because the place you're standing on is holy ground. Under grace, the Father says, put sandals on my son's feet because he's my son and he has a right to stand in my presence. Because of grace, all because of grace, Jesus took our place and became sin for all mankind so that we could take his place and become children of the most loving heavenly father in the world. How did Jesus become sin? How did Jesus become sin? Did he sin? Absolutely not. He received our sin. How do we become righteous? We receive his righteousness. What's the result? What does the father do in this story? It says, and he, and he goes on and says, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. Merry really isn't a word that we kind of understand. It just kind of sounds like a little bit of delight. It's talking about a celebration. It's talking about a party. It goes on in verse 24. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And again, they began to be merry. There's music and dancing in the father's house. This past week, we were able, Pam and I were able to go to camp with all of our young people. We had 49 young people going to camp this week, and it was extraordinary. It was amazing. But you know something that I've learned is that sometimes it's easy for us to go through the motions in a time of worship. Now, y'all think our music is loud? Man, it was nothing compared to how loud it was. I like loud music. It was loud, all right? But we were in the midst of all these kids jumping up and down and screaming and hollering. And so I, it was kind of not for me. So I actually went back more to the back just so that I could get alone with God. And I recognized there was this kind of desire to just kind of disconnect. Just kind of, man, let's just kind of go through the motions. God is so good. God is so, I wonder how long this service is going. All of a sudden I started recognizing and understanding I've got to engage in what's happening because there's a celebration going on. There's a party. We're celebrating today the love of the Father. So in the Father's house, there's music and dancing. And again, it's because it's a celebration of the Father's extravagant love for every one of us. See, let God love you and God will love you out of your sin. Let God love you and God will love you out of your sickness. Let God love you and God will love you into the abundant life that he has for you. Listen, I know that there are still people who want to make this story about the prodigal son. All they want to focus on all the time is our behavior, what we need to do. Listen, I didn't marry my wife so that she could act right. Hopefully she didn't marry me so that I could act right. I, I married my wife because I wanted to be in a relationship with this amazing woman. Now, are, is right behavior important in our relationship? Absolutely. But it's the byproduct of our hearts being connected together. Because when my heart's connected to hers and I recognize how wonderful she is, how amazing she is, I want to love her. I want to be kind to her. I don't want to just operate the way I feel in the moment. I want to do what's right by her. But it's only a result of understanding that love connection that we have. 
We want, we want to make this about the son, but it's not. It's about the father's love. How perfectly God loves you and I. Listen, compare many churches today that man has created with the father's house in this story. And I think that you'll begin to understand this story is about the father's love for us because when the father's love is in the house, there's music and dancing. When you walk into the house of God understanding the father's love, there's music and dancing. You can't help but lift your hands and worship God as a sign of surrender. Like you're reaching up to your daddy God saying, God, pick me up today because I need you. I need to connect with your heart today. I feel a little dry and dusty in some areas of my life, but God, you're so good. Thank you for loving me. But if we come in self-focused in our self-effort, it's all about, woe is me. I'm undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Old covenant versus new covenant. We've got to embrace and understand the Father's love for us. See, it's about, this story is about the Father's love for people who need him. See, the son, the younger son recognized his need for his dad. Even though it was very selfishly driven, he recognized that, that need that he had for his dad. The older son struggled with it. Dad, can you give me a goat that I can make merry with my friends? When all that he, the father had belonged to this son. See, it's important that we understand that we don't come into the presence of God because we have lived right and done right. We come into the presence of God because of the love of the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you're doubting the love of the Father for you today, you need to run into and connect with the heart of God today. See how this, how this whole story begins in Luke chapter 15 begins this way. This is why these three parables are told the last one being the one we've been looking at. It says, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners. He parties with the sinners and he eats with them. So Jesus goes on to explain some things. See, God is not interested in behavior modification. You can struggle to change your behavior. It will be short-lived. What he's interested in is heart and life transformation where on the inside of you the revelation of a father's love for you begins to change all the outward behavior grace changes your heart the revelation of the love of the father will transform your heart and transform your life and bring you into the wholeness that God has already prepared for you so my question as I close this morning is this will you receive the Father's love today. Will you receive and believe? And again, it's not something that you can just do today and then it's set forever. You're going to have to day by day, moment by moment, when the accusation comes against and from the accuser, you need to, in those moments, say, I receive the Father's love today. Father, thank you for loving me so much. Thank you, God, that your love is so extravagant for me and towards me today that today I can come boldly into the throne room of grace and talk to you about anything that's on my heart, anything going on in my life, simply because of whose I am, because of who I am in Christ Jesus. So today, will you receive the Father's love? Will you embrace it? I mean, will you embrace it at a radical level? Not just an intellectual understanding of, okay, that's kind of neat, all right, I'm glad for that, thank you, God. But at a radical level where it so consumes you that what ends up happening is everywhere you go, 
We become the community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. We don't have to be intentional about it. It just flows out of us because we're embracing the love of a father. I want to pray for you today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.